to Boil Down, the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association's podcast. I'm Greg Axley, your host, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Devin Baldwin, the team manager for the Pro Start team from McMinnville High School State Champions. Welcome, Devin. Thank you for having me, Greg. You bet. We also have Krista Carpino, uh, the culinary instructor from McMinnville High School. Welcome, Krista. Thank you. And Wendy Popkin, our executive director for the uh, Orla Education Foundation. Thanks for having us, Greg. You bet. And right now, I want to start with Devin because uh, it's it's pretty exciting. You guys won the state championship down in Salem, the Pro Start State Championship, and now you're headed to South Carolina for the national. Uh, championships. Tell me a little bit, Devin, about how you got involved in Pro Start and kind of what the competition's like for you. All right. Uh, I got involved with Pro Start my sophomore year of high school. I was just kind of looking for a career and like a pathway I wanted to go down. So cooking kind of like sparked something in me. And I saw the kitchen that we had at the high school. So I got involved and I just got hooked. All the, the gadgets and the fun oh, stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I just kind of got hooked the first day and I've been doing it ever since. Now, you talked about the kitchen. They've got a lot of fancy stuff there. But when you guys are in the competition, you're very limited in what you're able to use. Yeah, well, we're kind of stuck in like in a little pod with no electricity and no running water. So going to that compared to the kitchen we have, it's a it's a real struggle at first. But the team and I do a really good job of adapting to it. Yeah, so you cook off of two butane burners, no electricity and no running water. And just real quick, give me an idea of the menu that you guys are, are working on for the national championships because it's phenomenal what you guys put out with that little equipment. All right, so the appetizer is more of an Asian-inspired dish. We have crab cakes, and we have crab cloths. We have crab cl- cooked two ways. We have a bed of rice, some rice paper with lime leaves on it, and a little salad with some nuke mom dressing. So it's a lot more exotic okay. than the other two dishes. Great. And your entree? The entree is a lot more Oregon, like, spring-inspired. We have some local Oregon foraged greens on there. We have a ling cod that's seared, and we have a potato croquette, which is Yukon gold, and we have a couple of other things on that dish. Okay, and then you've got a dessert as well. It's a three-course meal that you guys are preparing. Is that right? Yeah, so the dessert's more of a chocolate tort, which is just a flourless chocolate cake. We have, like, a chocolate glaze. We have a cocoa bean that's on top that's coated in white chocolate and cocoa powder so it's a lot it's a really chocolatey dessert and it, it's delicious and we also have a creme brulee on there which one of the other members of the team makes for the wow dessert. now i i cook myself and making a creme brulee and a flourless chocolate cake without an oven how do you do that we use a steamer for both of those so the cake goes in first and we steam that and after we're done we hand that over to the creme brulee and she makes that one as well Fantastic. so we share a steamer for those Great. So you guys are headed to South Carolina here just in a little bit. Tell me, I mean, is the team excited about going? What are some of the things that you guys have done to prepare yourselves for this? Uh, the, st- the team's really excited. I'm excited because I've never been on the East Coast. I don't think any of us have. I could be wrong. So we're excited to go there, and we prepare by keeping our practices as close to the real thing as we possibly can. So we set it up just like it would be the day of these. Everything as close to possible as they can with plating, time, and just how the whole thing's set up. That's great. Now, you mentioned you guys haven't been, but Krista, I'm going to throw it over to you because you have been to the national championship, but in a different role. Is that correct? Yes, a different capacity. I was a mentor for South Salem's culinary team uh, back in 2012, and we went to Baltimore, and it was phenomenal experience seeing all of those kids and all of the culinary management things that they put out. So 
I feel that that's a benefit, um, although it was back in 2012, like I just mentioned. So I think a lot of things have probably changed over time. Sure. Um, Devin mentioned that we try and keep everything as close to the real thing as possible, but they do struggle with remembering that, you know, we're getting down to the wire. We have seven practices left. So one thing we've been trying to do is um, just remember what is indicative of successful teams. And the kids came up with a checklist, and now they're going to be held to it um, so that we can hopefully use these last few practices uh, just to help us prepare as we go. So you mentioned you started as a mentor, and then you've become a teacher. Can you talk a little bit about what the role of the mentor is to the ProStart team? And then what yeah, was your absolutely. personal journey there? Um, well, actually, I did ProStart when I was in high school. So I competed in the competition. I feel that has helped me um, kind of get to know the program and stay involved with it. Uh, I mentored while I went to Oregon State University. Um, and then I was hired in Salem-Kaiser School District and had a team. When they cut the program, uh, I started mentoring for... Todd's team at South Salem. So mentor responsibilities, uh, helping the kids with little questions. It's really easy for the kids to discount what the teacher says. You know, you get comfortable sure. and <laughs> they kind of just get used to it in one ear and out the other. So it's nice having another adult there um, just reaffirming all the little things that we're trying to do and reminding them that there's a reason why we're doing this. Um, and then just helping finalize the menu. I'm really strong believer that the kids have to develop the menu in order to have buy-in. Uh, we've been doing this five months now. And if I had told them what they were cooking, I think they would have just discounted it and kind of been like, I'm done with this a while sure. ago. So um, just helping them finalize and reminding them, you know, the cooking techniques and just giving them any insight that I can help with. Yeah, so it sounds like they're probably more invested in the menu if they're creating it themselves. Absolutely. Yeah, and I've been involved in ProStart for a number of years as a timer, and this last year as a, a lead timer, and I am always blown away by what these high school kids can create with just, like I said, two burners, no running water, no electricity, um, and really five-star dishes that you would find in restaurants uh, in, in the best places in the country. So it's it's impressive what they're able to do, and uh, what the teachers and mentors are able to help them with. And um, so I, I know, like I said, you've been there before. What can they expect when they get back to nationals as compared to what they had at the state competition level? Oh, gosh, uh, a lot more students. I, at state, they competed against 13 teams, and I believe there's 49 teams competing. Um, so just the caliber of all of that and then just getting different place um, on our way up here today. We have another practice after this and one thing was forgotten. So it's good that they're getting out of the classroom um, they get comfortable. And so it's nice to get them out of there. Remember to pack everything. Um, but I also want to remind them just to have fun and enjoy the experience. We yeah. asked them in the beginning, do you want to go and just have a good experience or do you want to actually try and place? And they all said they wanted to try and place. So we haven't let up. Um, and so practices have been very strict and a lot of uh, things expected of them. So well, I think they'll be ready. That's great. Good to hear. Well, with that, Wendy, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, the history of ProStart and kind of what Orleff's uh, involvement has been both now and in the past with that. You want to start off by telling us a little bit about how the competitions got started and what it means? Sure. You know, we've Oregon's been involved since the very beginning. It actually, the pilot programs were in California, Oregon, and Colorado. So we've been um, at it for 15 years. And 
the reason that we support ProStart, uh, well, there's a couple of reasons. One is in terms of industry workforce development, it's a great opportunity for students like Devon to do some career exploration and do it while they're in school and where they can really focus on all of the aspects that go into being a successful employee in the food service industry. So they get exposure to so many different things. And um, number two, it's a career and technical education program. So as an industry, we feel it's our responsibility to support public education. And um, it's, it's a proven fact that when people, when students are involved in a career and technical education program, graduation rates um, go up. So even if students choose not to go into the food service industry after this, um, they get a lot of skills that they're able to use in their future life, not to mention the least of which is cooking. You know, that <laughs> you always have to eat, but you can eat very well and inexpensively. They learn things such as nutrition, mm -hmm. which organization. is important, organization, teamwork, communication. And um, I didn't even know this until I joined ProStart, but it turns out that one in out of every two Americans, their first job was in the food service industry. Mm -hmm. So it just goes to show you that, you know, you learn a lot of things um, being involved in our industry at some point. So, yeah, we're proud to be part of it. That's great. Now, I know you're heading back there with the team. What does it take to get a team to nationals? I mean, that, that seems to me like there's got to be not only money, but support from the families. And, and what does it take to get a team back to the national competition? Besides a lot of luggage, because <laughs> we have to carry yeah. everything. <laughs> it's pretty amazing when we check in and people just give us these looks, because not very many people bring five coolers and four totes <laughs> and all of that. But, but seriously, it does. It takes a lot of organization. And the foundation takes primary responsibility for getting sponsors to help host that trip. So it's so far this year in particular, it's an eight hour trip, so we have to stay an extra night. So we, um, you know, in terms of organization, definitely fundraising is an important aspect of this. This trip is about $15,000. But it's also a matter of working with the teacher and the mentor to think about the specific needs of the students and what kind of support we can provide. So one of Krista's um, primary challenges, as she mentioned, was getting the students out of the school so that they could see what it was like to not be able to turn behind them and say, oh yeah, we forgot the onion, it's back right. here. So she had asked for our help in organizing an off-site practice. So we, uh, our friends at Cisco are providing a space for us this afternoon, and we have three of our judges from the competition, and we're going to run through just as we would at nationals in their format and give them kind of final feedback and things to polish for seven days. Um, there's a great deal of responsibility. Krista and I are taking five precious, you know, lives with us. So <laughs> <laughs> take the chaperoning quite seriously. Sure. And uh, I haven't shown you the leash or anything yet, Devin, to make sure. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we're... It takes a lot, but it's, yeah. it's a great, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the job, of course. <laughs> of course. Well, you mentioned Cisco. So obviously, in addition to the fundraising, which I know you guys are participating in, and the website, by the way, is OregonRLA.org backslash championships. That's our ProStart website. Uh, you can go uh, there and check it out and uh, watch the video. Uh, I know that, uh, Devin, you guys were just on KGW the other day. Um, you were doing an interview with them talking about some things. Is that right? Yeah, we were on KGW last Tuesday. I think it was the 11th, and we got a couple got a, got asked a couple of questions, and the team just kind of really took the prior the roles they should have, and they answered them very well. 
So also on that website, we've got a button for people to donate. But uh, Wendy, you mentioned that Cisco's donating some space. Uh, are there other people that are like donating product or other things that well, can We have help? a lot of support overall for the program. So Oregon Culinary Institute is one of our um, ongoing sponsors that we really appreciate. Um, also Foster Farms was new this year and sponsored our student scholarship. In terms of this um, in particular menu that Krista and her team have decided to feature, the Oregon Dungeness Crab Commission has been donating a lot of crab, which has been super <laughs> helpful. The Oregon Troll Association with Lingcod. So there's all different kinds of ways that people support us. Cisco's giving us space so we can practice. Uh, uh, people in the industry are coming to volunteer their time to give feedback. We're actually getting product from you know several entities. So. Yeah, it's fun. That's great. Uh, you know, Devin, I do have to say I'm a little disappointed because I would have hoped that you might have brought some crab cakes for us today. <laughs> but um, I guess I'll have to think about that next time and send you a note. <laughs> oh, yeah. We could have. We make a lot of them, so at the high school, when we're kind of getting tired of eating the food over and over, we'll walk around and we'll hand out the plates to staff, and they'll give us feedback, and they love testing our food. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, like I said, I've seen some pretty amazing things come out of the uh, the competition. So. Actually, Greg, it was pretty fun when KGW came, so we were in their classroom, um, not in the kitchen, because as you mentioned, the setup is actually on two 10-foot tables, so we create a very remote, rugged kitchen is the intention of the competition. And it just, it's done to emphasize basic skills. You know, there's nothing fancy about relying, or nothing good skill-wise about relying on something else to make good food. It's sure. all up to the students and their skills. But the reason I bring it up, it was so funny. There's a glass window, and I think the entire school was watching um, <laughs> as this was being filmed. And then when it was over and we asked the news t team if they wanted to taste of course they did and we opened the doors and i think we had quite a few people come in and take <laughs> some bites the principal was there and i don't think he'd had a chance to even try your your uh, menu so he was impressed yeah the, the he loves coming by every once in a while and he's testing our food and like she said i was managing them and then i turned around to take a quick glance and there was a whole bunch of students from the pro star pathway and other students just standing at the door watching us filming if they could and then the second we were done those doors open and all of them were just kind of gathering around and taking a look at what was happening oh i'm sure yeah it's, it's got to be quite a sight now Devin, you just mentioned you were managing them talk to me a little bit about that role because you you're the team manager so what does that entail so i used to be inside the pot cooking with them but i came down with a sickness a few months ago right before state and i missed like almost a full week of practices mm. so we had switch roles, and I, I'm kind of happy it happened because I really like being the manager and making sure that they stay on track. So I just kind of help them out, keep them calm when there's too much pressure. I make sure that they communicate with each other, they have good teamwork, and when they're doing knife cuts, I do my best to make sure that the knives are straight up and down and that they just really stay on top of everything. That's great. Now, you mentioned the knife cuts. So what are some of the skills that you've learned or the other students have learned going through this they, we learn a lot of things like how to properly hold the knife, how to set up a proper knife cutting station, how to how to handle it. And, you know, we still have a few struggles. We still cut ourselves sometimes, but they're doing a really good job. They're starting to get their like their balance right, the way they s their posture correct. So they're getting a lot more better at these knife cuts, and their confidence is showing through it. Which uh, cuts do you guys feature? Um, mm -hmm. Hannah, she features the Python cuts on a few carrots. Kaylin, she does the Julienne on a watermelon radish. Louise, he does chiffonade on some baby bok choy. And Carissa, she does brunoise on some bell peppers. That's a lot of great knife cuts and a lot of skills that you guys are learning. And I wouldn't worry about the cuts because I'm pretty sure experienced chefs still cut themselves in the kitchen every once in a while. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, that was one of the last practices. Louise cut himself. 
like within the first few minutes and that's the only time it's cut himself so i'd hop in and that's another thing another role as the manager i have to have is i know i have to know everything they do so that when i do hop in i'm not too lost but he was still there to help us although if it does happen at a competition he's not there to help so okay i'm just trying to do my best to learn what they're doing yeah well that sounds like a big responsibility oh yeah well uh krista i want to turn it back over to you for just a second um Obviously, as Wendy mentioned, taking you know five high school students back to the national championship and everything that entails, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you uh, offering the Pro Start program? And then, obviously, what have been some of the greatest rewards? Oh, uh, challenges. First off, um, money. I have worked with a lot of teachers, and I've worked at three different schools, and I always hear that, well, we don't do Pro Start because it costs a lot of money. Um, Having gone through the curriculum in high school, I know that it helps prepare students to be successful in the industry. And dovetailing on what Wendy had mentioned, um, your first job is most likely something in food service. So regardless if they're going to culinary school, the skills they're learning are going to benefit them the rest of their lives. Um, So that's one of the huge advantages, and that's the reason why I keep doing this. Um, Challenge, uh, time, the emotions that go into it. I mean, we've been doing this five months now, and so... They're starting to wear on each other's nerves as mine as well. And so just reminding them that uh, we've come this far and we just need to hold it together a little bit longer. Um, But benefits, it's really awesome seeing them finish and proud of the food that they create. Uh, I always think back to when they first start and they look at dishes from past competitions. And their first thing is, there's no way I can make that. We're going to teach you how to do it. We're going to help build these skills, guide you along. You're not just getting thrown in so that they're confident in their work. And that's something that we talked about the other day, just remembering to be confident. Our food tastes good. They just need to remember to showcase those skills and finish on time and we'll be okay. Do most of the students come to the program with no background, you know, no working? I mean, you know, yes. just cooking at home. Okay, so it's you're starting with blank slates. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fortunate at our school, we actually have four family and consumer studies teachers, and that's what my background was at Oregon State. I'm a little different, um, having gone through ProStart and working in the industry in multiple facets. Uh, but we have a beginning foods teacher, and it's, you know, more traditional home economics style. Mm-hmm. So when I get them... Um, First off, they're intimidated by the kitchen, a new teacher. I'm completely on the other end of the school, so proximity-wise is hard also. Um, So we really have to take a lot of time to go over the safety and sanitation aspects. The knife skills, like they mentioned, we do a lot of those. Um, And then just getting them comfortable in their cooking skills. Well, and then the equipment you have. I remember seeing one of the first times that I visited a pro start school. They had to learn to turn on the oven because it's different than the one at home, right? right? <laughs> so, yeah. And how to cook with it. Yes. And a dishwasher and, you know, all those things that are commercial grade that you're fortunate to have at your school. Yes, very fortunate. Great. We're going to stop and take a quick break here, and we'll be right back uh, with our pro start competition folk. So thanks. Are you in need of quality food handler training and certification? Orla is one of the largest and first providers of online food handler training in Oregon. Approved by the state, Orla's food handler training is quick and simple to complete, with online courses available 24-7. Training and certification costs only $9, and the card is valid statewide for three years. Get started today at OregonFoodHandler.com. All right, welcome back to the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association's podcast, Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Astley, and I'm joined today by Krista Carpino, the culinary instructor from McMinnville High School, Devin Baldwin, the team manager from the McMinnville High School Pro Start Competition team, and Wendy Popkin, our executive director at the Orla Education Foundation. 
And Devin, we were talking a little bit earlier about the menu, but you've got it in front of you now. And I know that writing the menu is actually part of the competition as well. So if you don't mind, I'd like you to go through that with us and then talk a little bit about the process of coming up with those descriptions. Okay, so now that I actually have it in front of me, I can get into more detail. But the appetizer is an Asian-inspired dish composed of lime-infused crab cakes, tempura battered crab cloths. Those are the two crabs I was talking about. We have a bed of purple sticky rice with a spicy green curry sauce and a vibrant salad of uh, baby bok choy, spearmint, and Thai, which all Louise cuts. And then it's dressed in a traditional Vietnamese dressing and garnished with fried rice paper dusted in the kaffir lime leaves. And that was more of like a... uh, that was something we made for state. It was more of an entree, but the judges at state said our appetizer was like a little off from the rest. So we just ditched that entirely, and we made our entree the new appetizer, and we switched it up a little wow. to make it like a lot more like appetizer type. And uh-huh. uh, our mentor, Todd, like just threw in a couple of suggestions, and we tinkered with them and played with them, and that's how we got this dish. Great. It's a really nice-looking dish. You can actually see pictures on the website. Fantastic. And mm-hmm. then the... Org, the entree is an Oregon lingcod, so that's seared in a traditional lemon beurre blanc, and that's with a Yukon gold and potato and chive croquette. So those are plated together, and then it's sautéed with spring peas and bacon, and then that's on top of the spring pea puree, and it's garnished with a Oregon forged spring green. So that was the spring I was talking about. Great. And bacon makes everything better, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you've got your dessert. Yeah, so the dessert is a the steamed fileless chocolate tort filled with dried cherry, sour cherry compote and roasted pistachios. So she just kind of folds those in at the beginning so it's all together. And then it's paired with a malt-infused creme brulee accompanied with a tart cherry juice reduction and garnished with sh- bun, sugar spiral, and organic chocolate-covered cocoa beans. So she takes some chocolate and she makes some plating designs on the plate and she makes some leaves and inside the leaves is where the cherry reduction is at. And she also puts them under the cake and then the cocoa beans on top of the cake with some more white chocolate. Man, I am really getting hungry now. I, I really regret not having you bring some of this in. So <laughs> I, I may have to stop by the Cisco Kitchen later come so on I over, can yep. <laughs> check it out. Yeah. So uh, you, you've had this menu. You've been involved for a couple of years now. And last year, it sounds like the menu was a little too wordy, maybe. And uh, yeah. Is that right? And so then this year, you've pared it down. And what did they ask you this year? And then they said it was a little too pared down. So we <laughs> added some more words. And it, like, there's so much on the plate. There's also s- we can only pare it down so much before sure. we're not really describing on it. And then the whole menu is kind of gluten-free as well. So that's going to really benefit us at the competition. That's great. Well, I mean, it sounds, again, like a five-star restaurant. It's a, it's a great description of a menu. So um, happy to hear about that. And it sounds fantastic. Uh, like I said, oh, yeah. I, it's, it's delicious. making me hungry for sure. So. You know, I just like to say it was an interesting experience. We really haven't had that I can think of any team completely redo their menu from what they started in state. So that was pretty ambitious. But I admire it because it's just like what happens in a restaurant. Absolutely. You present something and you get feedback from the customer. In this case, it was the judge and they wanted to do better. And Mm -hmm. so it's a real life situation that, well, what can we do to make this more appealing? It was good to us, but it doesn't matter that it's good to us. It needs to be good to the customer. For sure. And speaking of that real life uh, experience, uh, Krista, part of the competition is also the cost of the items that you have on your menu. You have a, a limit, a budget that they can uh, go up to, but they have to they have to figure out what the cost for each item is. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. Um, and we talk about one 
making the menu want you to be hungry. So like you were saying, it's supposed to paint a picture. So that's why there's those descriptive words in there. Roasted pistachios, seared lean cod, dressed in this. So we're painting a picture for the customer, um, getting them an idea before they actually even see the food. Mm -hmm. Uh, Along the lines of the costing, uh, we have a $75 limit. We use the 33% markup, um, just as you would use in a restaurant. We're really following the ProStart curriculum, and that's detailed in the rule book. So that's one thing we have to pay attention to. Um, And then just how it's listed on the menu itself. If we have something that's $16.07, we wouldn't write it that way. We'd make it a round number indicative of what it would be if they were buying this in a restaurant. Sure. Um, And we mentioned earlier our donations, so that has helped tremendously. Um, Although I still am kind of gray area on how we cost that because some things are donated, but we have to show that we're still getting the product, so the price has to be displayed somewhere on there. Right. Um, But we've practiced time and time again, so it's been really nice having those um, from the Seafood Commission as well as the Trawl Commission. That's great. So those are, I mean, those are very applicable skills to when you go out into the real world and get a job in a restaurant or if they want to own a restaurant someday, they'll have that foundation of knowing how much it costs. And even if they don't, you know, work in a restaurant, they're eventually going to be buying groceries for themselves. So understanding costing and how much it will last and how to, you know, make your dollar go further. Sure. Um, so it all is real life experience for them. So the real world experience that the kids are getting, it sounds like extends beyond just figuring out how much things cost. You have a catering program at McMinnville High School. Is that right? Yes, we have a full on student run enterprise catering business, Grizzly Catering. Uh, we've done multiple in-house events. We've been asked to do multiple community events, um, volunteering donating food so the kids are showcasing their skills within the community and within the high school um, on a daily basis. So it gives them a chance to practice their skills but also helps you to fundraise for the competition. Oh yes I mentioned in the beginning um, that you know it's expensive doing this and if you don't have the time to get donors or you're having a hard time finding sponsors um, it's been one thing that's helped us remain self-sufficient. We did over 100 catering events last year my principal said pare them down this year and I looked already and I think we're at 75 so I need to do a better job of saying no, that we're a little too busy, um, but the kids really step up and it's it's down to, you know, the prep work behind the scenes, um, serving the food to the guests, helping plan the menu, the costs involved, shopping, um, getting the equipment there, setting it up, so it's a really full encompassing program. Well, so and Krista, you even did a couple upscale weddings as well, right? Yes, we did two weddings um, last summer and one of them was... Gosh, 400 people. It was dead of August. It was hot. Uh, (laughs) But we did a great job, and everyone was really impressed. Um, We've been asked to do another wedding this summer. Uh, So we're we're getting new um, clients and people interested all of the time. And so it's been been really great. Uh, It is a lot of extra work. I don't live in McMinnville, so the commuting is one struggle. Um, But it's great kids, and they want to learn, and they're willing to soak up and just – they, they want that retention, and they want to do well. So it's been nice having that kind of caliber of students. Fantastic. So Grizzly Catering, is that right? Yes. And they can find it on the McMinnville High School website? Or Absolutely. Perfect. Okay. Well, hopefully if anybody's listening and has a big event coming up that they can spend a lot of money on, they could go to Grizzly Catering. Yes, and, and after we get back that. from South Carolina. That's please. right. <laughs> okay. Well, Devin, uh, I want to talk to you again for just a second because we've, we've mentioned a few things about uh, the Pro Start competition and the – fact that you're involved, but uh, at McMinnville High School, it sounds like you guys have kind of career paths that you get involved in, and uh, one of those 16 career paths is the culinary career path. T- 
talk to me a little bit about why you chose that and why you've stuck with it. Okay, so it was sophomore year. You know, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life. And nobody does sophomore year. Sure. So I was just kind of looking at all the pathways we have. I joined the journalism pathway at the same time I joined the Pro Start one. So I've been in both ever since. But the Pro Start one just hooked me in because it was really hands-on. I'm more of a hands-on learner. So when we get there, it's just kind of, you're going to do this. I'll show you how. And then you can get to working it on your own. So just being hands-on really made me grasp this whole thing. And when we do the Grizzly Catering or any other catering event, it got me really used to public speaking because we have to present our dishes or I'll be front of the house manager. And that really brought out my social and like public side. So it's just a, it encompasses a lot of the things that I like to enjoy. That's great. So maybe a future in broadcasting or a celebrity chef with his own TV show. Oh, right? yeah. Totally. Right. <laughs> well, I can say I knew you win then. Let me make sure I get your autograph before you leave. Okay. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Well, and Wendy, I want to turn it back over to you for just a second because we did mention support and Krista talked about how important it is and how expensive it can be. Um, and you've had some support from some great industry partners, uh, folks that have, we sure have. have uh, been there for you. Can you talk a little bit more about uh, the folks that have supported this program? Sure. We have industry involvement in a lot of different ways. Some are mentors and will come and actually, you know, bring some of their equipment and things to the classroom. We have speakers that come in, um, entities that offer mentorships and, and field trips and all those kinds of things that are really important to see what real life in the food service industry is about. We have financial sponsors. So there are several that have been with us quite a long time. We're very grateful. Um, Oregon Culinary Institute, Boyd's Coffee. Um, we also have a new one this year, Foster Farms. We have a number of entities that give us in-kind uh, contributions as well, which are as important. So Ecolab is one of those. Salem Convention Center, where we had our competition. We also have support from specific food providers. Mm -hmm. So I think that Krista had mentioned the Oregon Crab Commission. This was the first time that they were involved with us. They've expressed that it's a relationship they'd like to grow and continue. And we sure would like them to, to be <laughs> able to, you know, most of our schools can't afford seafood, honestly. Sure. So to have the industry say, we want you to learn to use our product. We want to help you with that. And we're financially prepared to support you. That's huge. So we're really excited to have them involved. And then we have even Cisco. That's where we're practicing today. They've given us space. We had our teacher education training there this past fall, and they let us go all through their um, – oh, they did a wonderful tour for our teachers, many of whom weren't familiar with how that side of the industry works. So it's really nice to get industry into the classroom, and it's something that once you're there, you get hooked on. Sure. Yeah. And I know you've gotten uh, chefs and folks in the industry involved as timers and as judges during the competition. You, excellent. Yeah, we have had a lot of, it takes 25 judges to uh, run the competition. So we have had a number of chefs from different places. Um, Sunny Jin from the Allison was there this year. We have a number of people from Arts Institute and um, Salem Hospital. All aspects of the industry come together to help encourage the students and give them good feedback to help them grow. That's great. So if people want to get involved, again, you can go to OregonRLA.org backslash championships, plural. And uh, there's video, there's photos, there's more information about uh, how you can get involved and how you can donate and uh, contact them. And again, we'll be cheering you guys on in South Carolina. So we wish you the best of luck. I think it sounds thank like you. an exciting trip. And uh, I know you guys are going to represent Oregon very well. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. 
Get your staff food handler trained and certified by Oregon's highest quality training provider. Oiler provides easy to follow interactive training that is valid statewide for three years. Employees can get the state mandated food handler card they need on their schedule with online courses available 24 seven. And now for only $9. Go to OregonFoodHandler.com today. All right, welcome back. It's now time for the Advocacy Watch portion of our podcast, and we've got several things going on in the state legislature right now. Most importantly for us in our industry probably is the restrictive scheduling bill. It's Senate Bill 828. That was moved to the Senate Rules Committee and is still alive. It was uh, passed out of committee with a do-pass recommendation. Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association and other partners in the business uh, community are working hard to make sure that that bill dies uh, on the Senate Rules Committee. And you can get involved by going to the website weworkfororegon.com and reading more about that and contacting legislators. Orla also has information on its website at OregonRLA.org, including a report from San Francisco one year after the implementation of their own restrictive scheduling ordinance that shows that employers and employees both are unhappy with the ordinance the way that it's working. We also have a link to our recent survey of Portland metro area restaurant employees showing that 85% of them are very happy with the way their job is scheduled and it allows them to choose how they enjoy life and spend their time. So uh, keep looking for more information and visit those websites, please, to contact your legislators about opposing that bill. Uh, House Bill 3087, the paid family leave bill, has moved to the House Rules because it is a tax bill. However, it requires a three-fifths majority and is unlikely to move uh, off of the House floor if it gets out of the House Rules Committee. A couple of bills regarding the lodging tax, House Bill 2744 and House Bill 2768, were not moved out of committee and they are effectively dead. Uh, both of those bills related to using lodging tax dollars for things like beautification projects, uh, sidewalks, and also expanding the definition of a tourism-related facility. And uh, Orla opposed both of those, so we're happy to see that case. Senate Bill 997, which would have um, penalized employers who offered health care coverage to their employees, but whose employees chose to take the Oregon Health Plan instead, um, has also not moved out of committee and is effectively dead. That is also a bill that Orla opposed. And finally, um, the Enclosures Bill, Senate Bill 235, reinstates the original language. We'll have more updates on that bill um, in the near future, but essentially the Oregon Health Authority had gone through a rulemaking process and did not follow the proper procedures, and Orla called them out on that along with some other folks uh, up in the Portland area from Airbot, and we are now going through a rulemaking process with them again, but the uh, Senate Bill 235 just reinstated the original language to that, so that reaffirmed it for us. For more information on these bills and others that we've been following throughout the legislative session, you can visit our website, OregonRLA.org, and go to the Government Affairs tab. And as always, we want to hear from you about what's going on in your local communities. You're the best source of information that we have for local laws, local taxes that might be coming our way. So please get in touch with us. You can reach us at info at OregonRLA.org or contact me directly at astley at oregonrla.org. I just want to touch on a couple of items before we wrap things up today. Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association members are afforded numerous benefits, including fast, reliable credit card processing through First Data. 
Developed specifically for the restaurant and lodging industry, First Data's Merchant Processing Program makes doing business easier by accepting many kinds of payments, including EMV chip cards, Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, and Android Pay. Orla members' rates don't change, and right now members can receive up to $500 in processing credit with new enrollment in the Merchant Processing Program. Contact your first data business consultant or visit OregonRLA.org backslash ESP for more information. Coming up on May 23rd, please join us for the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association's One Big Night. It's the industry's annual dinner and auction. We hope to see you there. It's a chance for us to raise funds and help get folks elected who are business friendly. You can do that by attending, you can donate an auction item, or you can become a sponsor. We do still have some sponsorships available for that. We have some terrific live auction items as well as silent auction items, but we are always looking for more. There's great food and drink and a lot of fun to be had at this event. Again, Tuesday, May 23rd, and you can go to OregonRLA.org for more information on that as well. As always, we ask and encourage you to subscribe to the Boiled Down podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast listening service you use. And please send comments, feedback, or any topics for future issues to info at OregonRLA.org. I want to say thank you again to my guests, Devin Baldwin, the team manager from the McMinnville High School Pro Start Competition team. Krista Carpino, the culinary instructor for McMinnville High School's Pro Start team, and Wendy Popkin, the executive director of the Oregon Restaurant Lodging Association's Education Foundation. I'm Greg Astley, your host, and thanks for listening. <laughs>